Welcome to the podcast for WGTS 91.9's Gateway Fellowship, a weekly service for anyone of any faith that is ultimately about inspiring hope. You can learn more and find more messages like this at mygatewayfellowship.com. If you have your Bibles, or your iPhones, or your Androids, um, I'm going to be reading out of Mark 6 and Matthew 14, kind of back and forth, uh, and I'll kind of tell you where I am. It says in Mark 6, um, chapter four, verse 4, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get out of the boat and go ahead of him. Pardon me. Disciples get into the boat and go out ahead of him in Bethesda while he dismissed the crowd. And after leaving them, he went up to the mountainside to pray. And when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land and he saw the disciples straining at the oars. And because the wind was against them, about the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake. And he was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought it was a ghost. And they freaked out and they cried because they saw him and they were terrified. Matthew 14, verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you out on the water. 29, come, he said. Back to Mark 6, verse 51. Immediately he said, said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. And then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. And they completely were amazed, for they had not, understand, had not understood about the loaves and the fishes, and their hearts were still hardened. How many of you have ever gone through a storm in your life? Nobody. You know, when you're in the middle of the storm, it's very hard to see. It's hard to see clearly. And when you're in the middle of the storm, in a real big storm, sometimes it's very hard to walk upright because there are forces, seen and unseen, that are pushing you down and trying to keep you down. And the Bible says in the story, they had, the disciples had spent a long time, a long day in ministry. They were ministering around the Sea of Galilee. I don't know if you know this, but about 75% of all of Jesus' ministry revolved around the Sea of Galilee. Um, he, he only went down to Jerusalem a few times. He only went up north to Caesarea Philippi a couple times. Most of his ministry was around the Sea of Galilee, around these little small port cities, um, small towns around the sea. And the disciples knew this area very well. And so Jesus said, I'm going to send you all on a day excursion and for you guys to go and preach all day long. This was like a 15, 16 hour day job. And the Bible says that they came back and they were exhausted. They came back and they were giving reports of people being saved and people being cured and and miracles taking place. And as they were coming back and giving kind of their end of the day report, Jesus could look in their eyes and he could see that they were exhausted. And if you look at the scripture with me, uh, it, it it says that Jesus made them get into the boat. Uh, he, he didn't ask them nicely. He didn't offer us a little boat ride or a cruise ride for the afternoon. The Bible says that he made them get into the boat, Mark chapter 6. He made them get into the boat. In fact, if you take a look at the original language, this is the same exact stern language when they try to make Jesus the king of the Jews. It says he made them get in the boat because he realized that they were exhausted. I've got to tell you something. Uh, the one thing about God that I think is awesome is that God realized that we would work ourselves to death. And he knew as human beings, we needed to rest. 
Uh, there's nothing like the Sabbath. I don't, I, don't, I don't care what anyone says. I need the Sabbath. Because we are foolish people. We will work all day, all night. We will try to get ahead, let people know how good we are and what we do, put countless hours in. And if it wasn't for God who said, you know what, big dummy, you need to slow down and take some rest, we would not be able to rest. And so Jesus saw this in the disciples and he said, you need to get into the boat right now. Come on, come on. And so he started walking with them up by the shores of Capernaum. And the Bible says that even though they were done with ministry after 16 hours, Pete, people were still following them. And I'm, I, I, see, I'm not at my own church today, so I can just talk trash about my people. <laughs> but sometimes I'm done. You know what I'm saying? I'm done. Go call an 800 hotline. Get out of here. I'm done with you. They were done. But people kept following them. And that's when Jesus said, you all get into the boat. I'll take care of this. And Jesus still, the Bible says, he still stayed and he ministered to the people and satisfied their needs and allowed his disciples to get a break and get a rest. I don't know about you, but when God is giving you an opportunity to take a break, take a break. Take advantage of it. Get out of, the, out of your regular place and go and have some solitude with God and your family as well. And so the Bible goes on to tell the story, and it says that um, the disciples were in this boat, and many of you probably know the story. They're on the Sea of Galilee. This, this Sea of Galilee is, is a huge lake. Um, so we call it a sea, but it's really a, a, a lake. And it's massive. It's known for having really, really terrible storms on there. In fact, I've been to the Sea of Galilee, and, and i, I t- got to tell you, when you're on the Sea of Galilee, it doesn't look like bad during the daytime. But when you get on there at night and you start feeling just a little bit of shaking on the boat, you get worried. And that's when you're work on a boat like in like 2000, not like 2000 years ago, in like a rickety boat, right? And so the, the disciples were skilled fishermen. They had spent most of their lives on water. In fact, the Sea of Galilee is what you call a freshwater lake. And it's about 13 miles long, 8 miles wide, and it's 695 feet below sea level. And as we look at the disciples, we know that most of them were skilled fishermen. They had spent their life on a boat. They know how to take care of storms. They know how to take care of water gushing into the, water, in, in, into the boat. But in this particular time in their life, nothing could prepare them for the storm of their life. Folks, gateway. I don't care if you have a master's degree in sociology. I don't care if you have a PhD. I don't care um, how much experience you have. When the lifetime of a storm comes in your way, nothing can prepare you for it. You can try to do the drills that you want. You can try to get prepared. You can read as much as you want. But when the storms of your life come in your way, sometimes you have to just give up and give it over to God. And so the Bible says that the disciples started freaking out. In fact, they were screaming. They were screaming like little babies because they thought they were going to die. They they were blaming each other, wondering, I I thought you spent most of your life on a boat. Why don't you know how to get us out of this? (laughs) Do you notice notice that when you're going through a storm, the first thing you want to do is to blame others? John Maxwell. Anyone know who John Maxwell is? He says the following things about um, going through storms in your life. He says, when you go through a storm, it'll reveal the following things. The first thing is that it will reveal the nature of your faith. 
You see, a lot of us walk around acting like we're like really great, you know, faith warriors. But really, it's just a shell that's inside. Anybody into bodybuilding? Uh, me neither. Okay. Okay, I am. I, I love, like, you know, bodybuilding. Like, about, usually, like, for about six weeks a year, I, I like, work out really hard. Okay. <laughs> I work out really, seriously, like three hours a day. I'm like pumping the protein. I'm like seeing the changes. I'm like, yeah, you know, going to like the guys in the gym. Like, yeah, what kind of drugs do you use, man? And uh, they're like, what? And, uh, but, you know, when you look at a bodybuilder, if you, when they're actually going in competition, that's actually when they're the weakest. Do you know that? Even though they look strong, they've actually been dehydrated. They're not drinking water because they don't want any kind of uh, bloating. They're not eating. They're really starving themselves. And so when you see them at that, what looks like the peak condition of their life on stage, they're actually about to fall over, okay, Um, because they're so exhausted and tired. And so sometimes, even though you look like you're strong, sometimes that you're just a walking shell. And Maxwell says that this is when you, go through your, when you go through a difficult time in your life, this is when you actually figure out the nature of your faith. The second thing he says is that it, it determines the strength of your commitment. Um, you're going to give up very easily or you're going to keep pressing on. And when you go through a difficult time in your life, if you have people around you in your life who are supporting you, you're going to be able to press on even deeper. Uh, one of the things I, I wanted to, to share with you today is that for so many of us today, one of the reasons why we fail so easily is because we often surround ourselves with unrighteous people. And when you go through a difficult time in your life, uh, who do you lean into? Your unrighteous friends. And you lean into people who, who don't have the spiritual integrity to be able to get you out of the pit and get you out of the storm. And so one of the things that we have to realize is that when we really fully understand our spiritual integrity, what we have to be able to do is to get rid of the people who are holding us back and to actually forge friendships and relationships with people who love Jesus like you and I do. You weren't expecting somebody to talk so straightforward, did you? Never going to be invited back again. (laughs) Number three, it determines your level of maturity. Um, you know, we all want to act like, like mature Christians, but, you know, the Apostle Paul said that um, most people are milk bottle Christians, right? Uh, even though you look like you're a 38-year-old man, uh, you may be a five-year-old spiritual infant. Are you listening to me? And so oftentimes when we have relationships, and, 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 and this is probably one of the biggest problems with, church, with churches in, in, around the world, is that you see an adult and they can be 70 years old, but they're acting like a five-year-old Christian. And so sometimes you just assume because their chronological age should match their spiritual age, but if you can look at them and understand that they're just a baby Christian, it would change the way that we have a relationship with them and with each other. And so when you have the spirituality um, and, and, and your, spiritual, your spiritual maturity is going to be able to determine how you get through a difficult time in your life. Number four, the healthiness of my attitude. Do you know people who just have terrible attitudes? It's the people we hide on Facebook. You know, it's people who just complain all the time. Like, goodness, say something positive. For God's sake, I'm going to hide you. can't even stand it anymore. You know, some people are drainers. Do you know who I'm talking about? Do you, do you, have, do you have, have any drainers in your life? 
think God puts a drainer in all of our lives, right? For you to be grateful for what we have. And sometimes, you know, in, in, the, in the storm that we're going through, what we have to realize is that there are going to be people who have different attitudes than you and I have. And if you have an attitude where you believe that you can get through that difficulty, you know, one of my favorite passages of Scripture is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings, but acknowledge Him and He will lead your paths. And you can only do that with a good attitude. You know, I'm, I'm a naturally positive person. I'm, I'm just, just born that way. I'm a, I'm a ca- um, cup uh, full, right? Half full. Um, you know, my life is, I, it doesn't matter what happens, I'm going to rebound. It doesn't matter, you know, how, who throws me down and kicks me, who shoves me, who's going to stick it to me. Guess what? I'm getting back up, okay? And, and for some of us in, here today, we have to realize that, you know, we have different dispositions. Some people are, you know, just kind of half empty. Some people are, you know, just, just kind of struggling through their issues. And what we have to be able to focus on is to say, God, no matter what storm I'm going through in my life, I'm going to just give it over to you. I need to give it to, over to you. And if we are to be able to continue to give it over to God, he is going to, let me say this, he is going to help change our attitude and allow us to have a different outlook in life. You see, if you feel like you're failing, you're going to fail. If you know that you're terrible, you're going to be terrible. Am I right? But if you believe that God has you on this earth for a different purpose, then it's going to change your outlook and and allow you to feel like you can do other things as well. You know, I had a teacher um, when I was in high high school. Um, I grew up in a terrible, terrible, terrible state in America. You can't even imagine how horrible it is, Ohio. And I was like, just cannot wait to get out of there. And I went to this school. It was a Christian school. And I had this teacher. He, you know, I think you all probably had him. He had like the comb over. Does anyone have a comb over before I start talking about you? All right. Um, he had like a comb over. He had a PhD teaching in high school. You know there's a problem right there. And, and one day, he was late. He was late to class. It was like sixth period right after lunch. And I was sitting there with my friends. We're all joking around. Finally, he comes in. His hangover is like hanging out the wrong way. He looks like he's all angry. He's upset, you know, like got like ketchup on his, you know, shirt stain and uh, coming around trying to figure out where's. And I said, well, 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 mm, nice to see you here all 20 minutes late to, to class. You know, there's an international rule that you can leave class if uh, the teacher doesn't show up. Who cares? We don't have our license. It doesn't matter. We'd still leave. And I just started heckling the guy. He, he was very, he started ignoring me and, you know, just keep, keeping quiet. And he kind of kept, you know, doing his things. I said, well, you know, we pay like $5,000 for education at the school. You know, that's like at least $200 that we're missing out right now. And just as I kept going on, I mean, I was just this idiot 16-year-old kid. As I'm going on, he just snapped. And he looked at me and said, shut your mouth. I shut my mouth. I was scared now. He says, shut your mouth. I'm so sick and tired of you. I'm tired of your attitude, the way you talk every single week, every single day in this class. You are such a nobody, Kumar. You are never going to amount to anything. What? I know he's not talking about me. He said, I had your brother and sister in class a couple years ago. And look at them right now. Look at your family. You guys are, are just a pain in the school. I was in shock 
and uh, I, I was embarrassed, humiliated in front of my friends. And uh, I quietly got up and walked out of the classroom and, and dropped out of school. And, uh, you know, he apologized. He apologized years later again and again and again. But what he was saying was truth to me. You see, what he was saying is what I already felt about myself and about my family. And what he was doing was validating what I already believed about myself. And I got to tell you, for it took years and years and years to crawl out of that stoop. Um, even last week, I was saying to my wife, I said, you know, I'm thinking about doing another PhD program. And my wife, you know, who's, who is a very... Um, mean woman she's she she looked over at me and she said she's not here no 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 yeah come on if she was here i'd be like you know my beautiful wife please stand up but come on man i've been married for a long time you know how the game is so she looks over at me and she says kumar you can do another phd and no one's going to think any differently of you and, you know, that, that kind of helped me realize that, you know, even years later, I'm still trying to find self-worth um, out, out of a situation like that. You see, we had to change our attitude. And if we fully recognize that God is a God that loves us no matter what, things are going to change the shape and the way that we live our lives. Finally, um, the last thing that helps us in a storm is it, teaches, it helps us recognize the measure of my teachability, the measure of my teachability. You see, every one of us need to be lifelong learners. Uh, we, we're, we're never going to be in a place in life where we just have finished or figured things out. And when you're going through a storm, sometimes God puts the storm in your way, and sometimes just life goes and puts a storm in your way. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is no matter what happens in our life, no matter how difficult the circumstance is, is there a possibility that I can learn from this? And the one greatest challenge for us, and you see one of the greatest challenges with dysfunction and dysfunctional relationships is that people repeat the same mistakes over and over and over and over and over again. Why is that? because they haven't been able to learn from the first painful mistake. And so all of a sudden, when we live this lifetime of dysfunction, we are unable to realize that if I'm teachable, if I can say, man, that storm was difficult. If there's another storm that goes my way, Lord, let it be a different one. Let it be a different kind of storm. But don't let me go through the same storm. I've learned my lesson this way already. And so we have to be able to recognize our teachability and know that if God is working in our life, we're not going to make the same mistakes because we're taking full responsibility in our lives. Folks, I know that every single one of us goes through storms. I've been going through a storm in my own life um, just in the last month. And I got to tell you that if it wasn't for the peace that I have in God, you see, I'm not at peace sometimes. Let me not lie to you, okay? Sometimes I'm angry. Sometimes I'm filled with rage. Sometimes I feel guilty. Sometimes I feel as if my life has been unfair. And yet, even though I feel that way, because it's a natural feeling to have, I also know that God is the one who's going to give me peace. And so that's what I want to share with you today, that even if you're going through the difficulty of a storm, just know that's going to happen. God, God, didn't, God never promised us that he wouldn't give us, allow us to go through difficult situations. What he did promise us 
is that he would allow us to know that he's going to be with us through that storm. Wherever life's journey is taking you, we hope you can find a home at Gateway Fellowship, a ministry of WGTS 91.9. We'd love for you to visit us sometime. Services happen each Saturday evening at 6. You can learn more about us and get more podcasts at mygatewayfellowship.com.